Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to Beyond Bitcoin and the last episode for 2020. Like normal, I'm joined with my friend and co-host, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. How are you? Hey, Derek. Glad to be back and glad to be here on the last episode of the year. Uh, looking forward to a lot to discuss, of course, as always. So good to be here, Derek. So... You know, we've had now over 35,000 um, views and podcast wow. listeners over the last 12 months. So we are delighted with that. Now, it's always stimulating, um, you know, to both Nitin and I that we create these events and we bring on guests and we learn new things. But of course, um, it's really not a great deal unless people are engaged and enjoying and listening. So we thank all of our listeners enormously for your engagement through the year, your questions, your comments to us uh, when we're at different conferences or events or having a breakfast and someone taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I really like what you covered the other day, or <laughs> I want you to cover this next time you're doing it. Um, that's fascinating and it stimulates us. So thank you very much. Yeah, so, and Derek, I would I would second that. And I was at a conference in Singapore last week and I had at least three individuals who came up to me and you know it's it's really gratifying when people tell they like your content there and in fact someone told me hey are you going to go to dc and i'm like how do you how do you know i'm going to dc and like i heard your podcast and so it's 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 very gratifying that your efforts sort of are appreciated by people so thank you for that yeah for the audience terrific. and so so the other thing, of course, is that please feel free to share this. I mean, it's a, I know it's a standard thing to say at the beginning of this, but if you've got people that are interested in this space, you know, reasonably engaged in it, so have a decent knowledge of it, um, then please feel free to share this with other people, with like-minded people, as I say at the beginning of this. Um, so Nitin, one hell of a year in the rear vision mirror. I think it's fair to say the Queen once said this, that it was Annus Horribilis would be a fair to, thing to say as far as the market goes. <laughs> right. So we saw the year start with the impact of the sort of macroeconomic effects on the asset class, which, you know, which was really liquidity drying up due to quantum easing reductions, interest rates rising, um, you know, the need for investors to meet margin calls in traditional markets, um, and then the general downturn and the velocity of money. So crypto speculation took a hit in early 22, and it had come off the boil. But we never saw what was coming. And what we didn't see, of course, is the collapse of Terra Luna and then the bankrupt filings of these big centralized finance structures of Three Arrows, Voyager, and Celsius. Now, I say they're big. They're big for crypto. On a global scale, they're relatively small. But we didn't see these things occurring. But when they did hit and we saw a major price drop, what we also saw is a massive deleveraging in the space due to these price drops, due to margin calls, something that the industry, by the way, felt was a healthy process 
um, for an overheated market. That was the language around the time I remember it well, May, June, July um, this year. But over the following months, what we saw is that the market started to stabilize. And I've got to say, there was hope in place for the rescue of some of the C5 funds um, that had gone to the wall and some of the smallest um, projects, smaller projects in the industry. Um, and they were going to be supported by the darling in the market, FTX. <laughs> what followed was a second punch to this young asset class when Sam Bank Bankman freed appeared to perpetuate the industry's greatest fraud um, and it was discovered through the collapse of FTX and that famous saying you know when the market collapses you see who's swimming naked certainly made that happen we started to see who was swimming naked as we said regularly it is important to note that none of these failures have been seen through the year have been caused by the failure of the underlying blockchain technology in fact the technical development has continued in this space and yeah. this year has been a monumental time in the history of many blockchains. By example, Ethereum underwent a successful upgrade in 2022 known as the merge, and we did a program dedicated to it. When it transitioned from proof-of-work blockchain to a proof-of-stake blockchain, and it did this, so to speak, mid-flight, it often said that it was like changing the engine out and replacing the engine while the airplane was still flying. And they did it seamlessly and effectively. And I think the market was very pleased to have seen that. The next one of these transition, transitions is due to occur by March next year. And we look forward to seeing that. But sadly, towards the second half of the year, conversations around Web 3.0 emerging and becoming a top common term, extraordinary advances in zero knowledge protocol, layer two protocols, no longer became our core topic a lot of our focus became on price, price of the market, price of the investments, what people thought about the volatility, what people thought <laughs> about the major players. And I think that was important. We needed to do that at the time. But we missed out on really great things like Apple's continuous, quiet, no doubt, but enormous development program that has been working on for years with its virtual reality and its augmented reality glasses of what might become termed, you know, version two, of um, the metaverse and, and environments. So much Nitin, of this has been forgotten through these centralized sure. finance ones. And what I thought we might throw around today is what you've seen this year that's occurred in you know, the foundations, the infrastructure of this space, what developments are occurring, how they've progressed with, you know, that, that's occurred past all of this noise. Can you throw some thoughts on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, as you rightly pointed out, the FTX and what we've been calling as contagion of incompetence of many of these centralized players mm. has really eclipsed not only the efforts of many of us who've been pragmatic and who've had the diligent sort of approach to the industry. Uh, I think a lot of technical innovation that actually has happened, and I'd like to cite a few things which actually transpired and happened this year. A lot of innovation in hardware, despite the supply chain issues that we've seen all around, you know, all uh, around the year, uh, primarily due to the war, but also due to the COVID and, and the fallout from COVID and the China, China's sort of zero tolerance or zero COVID policies, uh, is development in ASIC chipsets. If you look at ASIC version 5, is is gone to new computational levels, new efficiency in compute, which is not just a blockchain agenda or a crypto agenda. It, it really affects the entire 
you know, industry in general in terms of development of these chipsets and, and efficiency of what it offers to the rest of the computing framework. Uh, and and to achieve energy efficiency, we've had a new development model of new data centers, as we had one of our guests from Tasmania, thanks to your trip, mm. who talked about water-cooled, uh, you know, again, going after how do you make more energy efficient compute, uh, and a lot of models have been developed in that context, which all transpired this year, by the way, and uh, which has been an evolutionary process. Uh, so what if we're seeing at... there then, Nitin, is, is that a little <clears throat> bit like NASA developing some of these extraordinary developments in the 1960s to get to the moon? You know, Bitcoin being driven by the miners, being driven by the need for efficiency, that effect has been a driving force of a lot of these major developments to occur. So the data centers now have the benefit of that? Absolutely. And I think uh, all this is driven by, of course, economics, is that the the race to find the cheaper, faster, efficient hardware, which makes mining costs more sort of palatable. As you know, we looked into this in one of our podcasts this year along, where we compared the cost of mining, which is, I think, 29 cents per terahash power. And if you multiply that with the cost of mining, it's, it is quite expensive. And as the market took the downturn, mm. the industry had the race to find much more efficient computing. And I think at that point, economics became the mother of invention, uh, the necessity for them to stay competitive. Uh, because as you know, mining is an essential activity. It's it's an essential economic input into the industry. And this year alone, because of not just the energy equation that goes into it, energy has become expensive, as we know, primarily due to war and commodities uh, impact that the war has had, uh, but also the economic mm. downturn that has led to it. The OPEC, uh, you know, sort of it's cutting down its, 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 its output. Has let all these factors that led into uh, the Bitcoin miners have had a tough few months. Uh, if this entire sort of in the last six months, as the price of the world's largest cryptocurrency has dropped, right, and it had dropped uh, quite sort of dramatically of what it was at sixty-five thousand to now it's seventeen thousand per se. And so, with the low Bitcoin prices, the miners' revenue have you know have been diminished, and to top that up with ETH merge, as you mentioned, which was a astronomical challenge, which is, I think, technically a fantastic way to see how you would change an engine, as we've described several times in, in midair, which is risky, but at the same time, it was achieved. The feat was achieved. But the downside of that was that a lot of investors, a lot of investment that has gone into ETH or Ether, you know, Ethereum mining facilities were rendered pointless and they couldn't be really repurposed for yes. because of specificity of the of the investments were made for ethereum mining but what's mm. interesting is that many of those eth miners uh, eventually had to give up on the fight to keep up the mining function of eth and eventually resorted to dedicating that capacity to ai and machine learning uh, and repurposing the cloud and their hardware for a newer computational model so it is not all waste in the sense that there was there's an economic activity around, and I think this this last week alone, a lot of uh, you know uh, discussion around Chat GPT, which was uh, a large language modeling for an AI model that allows us to have conversational state with a with a bot. Literally, you could right. converse yes. with this with this entity only because of there, and it would have a massive uh, you know language model that would search the internet and and respond to you like I would uh, based on my knowledge base. That, that that we would go with. So all these are, at least to me, the fundamentals behind technology and what technology can bring and what it can offer to the industry in its exponential growth. 
So these are some of the, you know, to me, the birth of the new Web3 infrastructure. This is a layer zero, mm-hmm. which we generally don't talk about is having the right physical layer that provides the right compute infrastructure to secure the networks of tomorrow. So while all this is happening with FTX and and 3AC and, and Voyager fiasco, not to mention the economic activity and quantitative tightening, drying up the liquidity and causing all kinds of havoc in the market, I focus on the positives here, right? And then you also had something interesting. Uh, quantum uh, impact has has quite uh, the the effect because NIST, the National Institute of Science and Technology, approved two standards around encryption and digital signatures, which are quantum proof, which I think to me is yes. also a positive sign because this concern that the industry has always had in terms of the impact of quantum and breaking the cryptography and will that threaten the entire ecosystem? I think we begin to now see uh, a lot of positive movement in that space, not only from efficiency of quantum towards a new compute paradigm, but also uh, addressing uh, the entire basis of how we secure the networks, uh, not just from incentive economic structures, but also the cryptography and the digital signatures that are foundational to blockchain, which powers Bitcoin, ETH, and other layer one protocols. In addition to these, Another positive improvement in EVM or you know Ethereum virtual machine, which was basically a, a framework which allows the Ethereum ecosystems to grow and have smart contracts deployed. Uh, the zk EVM, for example, uh, you had zero knowledge proofs uh, with ha- which is going towards innovation for scalability. You have all these projects that popped up this year in terms of zk sync, zk EVM from Polygon, zk rollups, Starkware had something called Cairo. Uh, you had alpha compiler, uh, et cetera. And the core goal of all of these projects, Derek, is the same, is to use something called a ZK snark, which is zero knowledge, uh, sort of succinct, uh, non-active uh, sort of uh, you know networks where it allows the technology to make cryptographic proof of execution of Ethereum-like transactions, either to make it much easier to verify, uh, you know, as you know, the entire entire computational energy goes into verification validation of these transactions. And ZK essentially is to make, make sure it's easy to verify the Ethereum chain itself or to build something called a ZK rollups, which is nothing but a batch processing system uh, that, that sits on top of these uh, layer one to make them more efficient. Uh, and it's equal to what Ethereum would provide as a, as a much more scalable model. And towards the end, post uh, all the challenges we've seen with, with, uh, with um, FTX, the new emergence of proof of reserves, as we have seen this new focus, mm. a new model that focuses on post-contagion is how can we use the same technology to ensure that things like what we've seen with 3AC, Voyager, FTX, the entire gamut uh, of, of things that actually has, has transpired this year, how can we prevent that with mathematical proofs to ensure that people claim of the assets, whether you're using the asset as collateral or using the asset for lending and borrowing, there's a summary of those assets that can be verified. So I'll pause here. To me, these were positives and they were eclipsed, of course, with FTX fiasco. Yeah, that's the sad thing. I mean, we had these fantastic discussions about what's happening with three, you know, Web 3.0, how important it is with the you know, zero knowledge proof, um, what that means for the future of how one does business around the place. And then it went quiet. It went quiet for about five or six months as we focused on price and other aspects of it along the way. But I think it's for, important for us just remember, you know, if, if you've got a zero knowledge proof and people can be validated outside the analog government based worlds of, of 
driver's licenses and passports and other things, which you and I and most of our listeners can easily provide, but in many countries is dominated by a government that might be unstable, then all of a sudden you give freedom to people to be able to transact globally and without boundaries. We can't forget this. You know, the ability for someone to turn around and have zero-knowledge proof validate their their digital assets that are sitting in their own wallet that they control and that they don't have to then be judged upon their race, their sex, their religion, their country of origin, where they live. They can simply do business. And that means that there's 1.8 billion odd people out there that are the unbanked. Many of those could well be banked with the utilization of zero knowledge proof blockchain and, and, and digital asset currencies. And then, of course, the utility tokens and security tokens that they will utilize and own as part of their business online. I think this is really exciting. And in many ways, it takes away from, well, the somewhat worn and, and at the moment torn um, you know, global infrastructure of power fighting between the giant countries. And we know who they are and how they're fighting yeah. each other and controlling certain sections of the world um, through that. If, if zero-knowledge proof and an open blockchain system um, is in full operation, um, it can break away from that. So, so maybe I'm sounding, sounding like an evangelist um, and, and or, or, heaven forbid, a libertarian, which I'm not. Um, I'm really trying to say that this year has been a year of infrastructure building all behind the scenes of this noise this space continues to grow and it continues to grow and be utilized around the world. Maybe not at the exponential rate it did in 2021, um, but it does to continue to grow. And by March next year, we'll see exactly how fast it's growing. My view is, I think you'll find India is going to be the number one user by, by um, March <laughs> next year. It'll be interesting True. to see. And you know what's, um, you know, what's interesting ooh. is also, Derek, as you point out, the utility of, of you know Bitcoin itself, both in you know, not as in necessarily an inflation hedge, but as a store of value has really popped up, not only because of the equation between various currencies and, and inflationary impact on these currencies as they begin, to, as 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 the US sort of, uh, you know, Federal Reserve increases the, the interest rates to keep up it to, to combat inflation and other currencies end up losing value. There's a whole element of macroeconomic factors that actually has put Bitcoin back into prominent position, but also at the same time, the original intent of Bitcoin, in spite of all the challenges that we've seen, has come into light to say, hey, this is still an asset that can be trusted, uh, despite a lot of uh, sort of things we've seen with this contagion uh, between 3AC Celsius and now FTX, uh, is the fact that Lightning Network has come back to prominence in terms of making sure that some innovation that's happening in this space, making Bitcoin payments more palatable and a lot more scalable and cheaper and efficient. All this is innovation. And I think that while we're in this interesting, painful era, and I will use the word painful because a lot of people have lost their savings. A lot of people have lost their Mm. uh, faith and many people have left the industry. Uh, So it is painful for many of us to see this uh, wireless, no fault of technology itself, but fault of a few who've taken advantage of just lack of knowledge. But I think to me, this becomes a great reset where the focus is back to self-custody, which leads to a lot of technical innovation to how do you make the user interface more easier for any individual to begin to, you know, take control of their assets, right? Which is the reason why we're seeing a massive outflows for many, many exchanges. 
So all this to me is, yes, it's it's a cleansing of the industry, but also focuses back on user, the end user, FT, you know, using Lightning Networks, using uh, a lot of sort of innovation that actually happening and bringing the notion of smart contracts to Bitcoin, which is giving Ethereum the competitive force that it needs to, you know, keep 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 these networks in check. All this is positive. And we'll see the yeah. effects in a year or two once things settle down. But I, I view a positive side to that whole side of the equation. And India, yes, CBDC, India and China are the two largest economies, or two largest sort of uh, you know uh, populous countries in the world. And both have now have CBDC. India launched its. China actually has has been experimenting with it for over two years. All this is still a positive uh, actions that they these countries have taken. I think it's interesting. Let- just employed um, the past Apple developer of the iPod to create a hardware wallet, which is beautiful, user-friendly and engaging to use. Um, And so that could be another way of stepping towards something that's become so much easier because you've seen this mass exodus of exchanges into hardware wallets. Um, What we're also seeing is a sort of a shock wake up to say, well, wait a sec, we're all trading this on these centralized exchanges, but we have decentralized finance and decentralized exchanges that are algorithm-driven swapping systems. Um, why aren't we all trading on that? You know, with the system, the exception of sort of sophisticated and unusual um, financial tools um, that you might use on a, on a major exchange, much of the swapping, trading and buying can be done on decentralized exchanges that don't have anywhere near the risk of centralized exchanges and they can be done from your um, wallet and and that means you stay in total control wow that sounds like exactly what we said this industry was going to be two years ago um so maybe we're getting back to taking responsibility again for ourselves and our tokens etc that we hold through but what has been consistent through this period of time is still an extraordinary um wave of ignorance to the space and, and assumptions made. I, I was reading a, an interesting Twitter the other day from a group called Total Gold. So obviously, as the saying, as the heading goes, they, they're obviously dedicated to gold. And they turned around, and this is their, their time to shine around Bitcoin. And they said, look at this. They said, everyone's running from the door. All of a sudden, everyone's trying to exit. And they're all getting off the markets and putting their, their um, putting their, Bitcoin into wallets. No, you didn't get it, mate. What they were doing is they were determining that they're going to keep their Bitcoin and they were putting them into wallets for safekeeping, you know, and the exit <laughs> of the market happened six weeks ago. It's like, you know, I've, I've got to say that it happens at a pace that a bulldozer would bring down an Amazon forest to do some gold mining in. That's how slow it is. <laughs> <laughs> so no, so there's a lot of ignorance oh, okay. in that marketplace still, um, quoting things that are simply not correct. I met with a, a charming gentleman the other day who provides um, as a big infrastructure, 150 people work um, developing um, high efficiency, um, you know, and you know, zero zero um, uh, carbon um, electricity, uh, whether it happens to be through tidal or wind or solar, and um, they're doing very well. And he said it won't be long now before Bitcoin. Um, will dis- will develop its program and no longer do proof of stake. And I looked at him and said, 
but you realize that's its absolute foundation. That's the reason it exists. That's its infrastructure. That's how it works. That's how Metcalf's law is in place. That's how it's decentralized. And, and it was interesting that his view was based upon that of energy only. And therefore, if you can remove it, um, you know, that's how it will be. So, you know, a lack of knowledge of the space is still a real challenge um, as, we, as we develop, you know, the space and the knowledge along the way. I'm looking forward to 2023 for a number of reasons. And one of those reasons is I'm looking forward to getting back to our conversations in regards to the impact that zero knowledge proof will have when operated on the correct um, blockchains and, and, yeah. and operated through web 3.0 environments so that people can start becoming empowered to operate their own businesses and create their own products. Um, and I'm looking forward to people realizing that NFTs aren't about bored, um, bored apes and they're actually already the <laughs> biggest producer of NFT is Ticketmaster. They've delivered 10 million of them so far this That's year. Fine. In other words, they'll become just utilitarian um, ways of doing business. And, and, and that's going to happen. There's been another $100 million bond that's been put out in, in Europe uh, and, and being closed fairly quickly on a blockchain. So we're starting to see things that maybe aren't as exciting, as colourful as we're used to seeing um, you know, some of these early breakthroughs to be because they're starting to be utilized. No, absolutely. And I think uh, to your point with NFTs too, right? I think, yes, many of these early projects have, again, eclipsed uh, the effort and also shadowed what are the real projects that are emerging. And I met in my conference in, in Singapore, which I think was fantastic, some really mm. amazing thought leaders. And there was an executive from who I met was just a fantastic speaker, but also rich with his vision and what he was trying to drive in innovation with media entertainment is the newer models of how the entertainment is consumed. As you know, the way we consume entertainment now started from TVs to movies to Netflix has changed because TikTok and YouTube and, and many of the Instagram like, like platforms have changed, uh, not just the velocity, but also the type of content that we consume in our, you know, as a life change. And also the demographic that describes it. And he laid out so well in terms of how NFTs and how the content is changing, uh, both in terms of royalty distribution, but also in terms of uh, the ownership of the content that that is so so misrepresented uh, today, uh, you know, in that ecosystem. And to me, that's hope. That's that's the newer world, and I think there is an understanding that that this technology that we're talking about can deliver some of these areas in terms of, you know, again, what Web3 has hailed as creator-led economy and ownership economy as some of the foundational tenants, it came to life the way some of these projects have described it. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And I think that to me, many of this project have cleansed both the actors and players and will give birth to a lot of building that happens during the downturn as we have seen uh, in you know mm. in, in bear market as, as you know as they say I'm looking forward to those building I'm aware of some projects on myself and thinking about you know what are the things that we can focus on to not only improve the image but take these innovations that we talked about and take them to the new level so the next um sort of the rising of the industry as I would say it uh, is going to be certainly impactful Derek that we'll have more serious players uh suddenly now, because of these sort of cleansing efforts that you have seen, uh, the general tendency now in the industry is let's not worship founders, which is a lot that I didn't yes. personally, I, you know, I disliked. So there's a whole thing of let's not give these founders a godlike status. Let's focus on technology. 
And I think this will at least bring that lens back of diligence. It'll bring the lens back of real tech, real founders, real ideas, real business models, and not something that's fuzzy and that has just a potential success and didn't really go anywhere. Right. So. Yeah. Very true. Look, you know, on NFTs, it's intriguing. You know, the the world of Disney's capitalization as of today is about $172 billion, right? It, it's, it's a very valuable company. However, just look at the enormous amount of assets that Disney has, all the way back to its extraordinary cartoons from the 1930s and 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, et cetera, on the way through, the characters that they produce, you know, the ability for that to be converted and shared in non-fungible tokens and the, the ability for them to be able to generate um, digital experiences and sell non-fungible tokens. You know, I've heard some commentators say that really the value of Disney is in, in due to its non-fungible tokens could be in excess of a trillion dollars over the next decade as sure. they realize the intellectual property they have and share them through non-fungible tokens. And, and, that's very clear. And, and I think there's a lot of others environments. I, I keep laughingly thinking way back to the time of when Seinfeld was just dominant and everyone loved Seinfeld. The very last episode of Seinfeld, Dage, was needed to be used. Remember that for something else? They broke the whole thing yeah, down, yeah. crushed it up, put it in a bin outside and sent it away. Could you imagine how much Seinfeld's fridge, counter, couch particularly, would be worth? Would have been so far. I know. Correct. And, you know, I'm a huge aficionado. I'm like a huge fan of science. I've seen each episode like five, six times yeah. only because yes, it was during the era that there was not too much entertainment. And that. Came. And you're right. That could have been, that could be a lot of memorabilia that could have been sold and monetized, which of course lost the opportunity. And I, I agree with you. I think if you take the entire series of Disney, because Disney also owns ESPN, right? So they have so massive sports sports network so mm. it certainly has a lot of potential change it could literally have a model that could uh, stand on its own feet and create a completely new business model from itself so i think those are some things that i think are in conversation we've seen that in the news we've seen the like of nike nike and identity firms and central bank digital currencies payment ecosystems grow uh so to me 2023 and 2024 will be the year of builders that you'll find many projects and innovations really thrive only because now you have a lot of people thinking about this, a lot of people who have been impacted, not because just as investors, but also as builders who may have lost their project because they lost the funding. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to those ideas popping up yes. in the next three to six months and seeing the energy behind those. And that to me is 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 something that's positive that's going to come out of this, I think. And you and I are talking about it. I'm looking forward to that, to investigating each one of them, having some of the guests on board. Yeah. I've got to say, a little bit old school here, but reflecting on the year of 2022 reminds me of Roger Kipling's <laughs> poem, If. And, and I've got two excerpts here, if I may, um, that I think reflects well on that. And so Roger Kipling began his poem, If, with the statement, if you can keep your head while all about are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for your doubt for doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired of waiting. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. And if you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat the two as the imposters as the same. That just goes to show you, I think, the reflection of 
2022. It really is, you know, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, then the year of 2023 is going to be the year of continually building. And I think the year of seeing the big institutions start coming into this market, both in owning assets um, in totality and also in investing assets. I'm looking forward to 2023. Wow. Could have said this better, Derek. And what a great way to 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 wrap uh, wrap the session up. Uh, that's just brilliant. So thank you for for bringing that. Thank you, Nitin, for having a great year with me and sharing this with uh, with with the many that listen. And thank you so much for the listeners who have enjoyed this. 2023. We look forward to what your thoughts are, what you might like us to talk about. Um, where you want us to go, et cetera, et cetera. Nitin is a continuing roving agent around the world. I'll get to travel a few times next year. We are happy to do shows from different locations and on different topics and and bring it through to you. Um, I, we wish all of you a wonderful Christmas break and we'll be back on Wednesday, January the 18th. We'll record it and release it on January the 19th for our next episode. Uh, and I echo Derek's thoughts uh, to our audiences. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. See you next year. Terrific. Look forward to it. Bye for now, everyone. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please contact Nitin Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well inquisitive and engaged. See you next week.